This show is presented in part by Dodge. Domestic, not domesticated. Auto News. Exclusive interviews. Real world test drives. It's your turn to step into the driver's seat. This is The Drive. Now, here's automotive expert, television, and radio host, Alan Taylor. So last week, if you heard the show, I was in a really bad mood because of the wars and all the things that's going on around this crazy world. This week, I'm in a much better mood, okay? And what I've decided to do is to have a State of the Union, our very own State of the Union address from the CEO of the automotive aftermarket industry, Mike Spagnola. Mike Congratulations, by the way, and uh, fond farewells to Chris, who was the uh, outgoing CEO. But you and I have been friends a long time. God bless you. I'm so glad we got a real car guy at the helm. God bless (laughs) you. Thank you. Alan, the man, the myth, the legend. Thanks for having me on. Well, you know, I tell you uh, what. It's been a while. We haven't hung out for a while. You know what? What happens is when times get tough, they bring in the toughest guy they can find who can deal with it. He's got thick skin like a rhinoceros. You. And, you know, you've got the heart and the soul and the spirit of this industry. You know because you're a real car guy. Your kids are car guys and gals and your families are car peoples. And your lineage, your blood is is car blood. It's blue like Ford, I think. But, uh, no, actually, I think you were into Datsuns. But anyway. But uh, so any car, anything, anything with wheels. (laughs) Well, you know what? I'm so thrilled that you have uh, landed in this role. You and I have been friendly for a long time, and it's mainly because of one thing. First of all, we're pretty clear thinking, self-motivating individuals. You know what I'm saying? And we see each other. We see what's going on, whether it be what's going on in our crazy world. And we have these conversations and we come to kind of the same conclusions, whether it's because we're similar in age, too, and we've matured a little bit. But we also have not lost that twinkle in our eye for these things that we've always loved, these cars. And you know what? We also understand the value of family, friends, business, honesty, integrity. And this is what this is what SEMA is all about. This is where it all comes together. It's the high school reunion, you know. Well, well, I don't know if I can live up to that that Ooh. introduction, Helen. <laughs> thank you very much. It's always great to be with you. We we always have so much fun together. So we, we do. I appreciate you, and uh, uh, I love this industry. I love yeah. this industry. I love cars. This industry's been great to me for many, many years, and I've been able to been blessed with many, many friends. And you're right; my family is uh, also involved in the industry, and it's just been a blessing beyond measure. I I can't believe that I get to do what I get to do. Yeah, well, and so the question is, you know, they could have picked better times to put you in this role. But like I said, you, they put you there because they knew you could handle it. To whom much is given, Mike Spagnola, much is expected, right? And look at the world we're in right now. So maybe you could give us a little insight. And you got like, I'm going to give you what, a minute and a half, two minutes to tell us what you're going to do for the next five years. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, so so yeah, <laughs> I wake up daily and it changes. But I know. No, seriously, seriously, we're uh, we've got a lot going on. I mean, SEMA's on. You know, we're, we've got so many new programs going on. You know, I mean, this is the kind of things we do the other 360 days a year. You know, of course, our show, which is 
at least live for four days, we start planning literally the week we come back from the SEMA show in November, we start planning right. for the next one. So, right. you know, that's always going on. We're expanding it. Uh, you know, we have the new West Hall, of course. Uh, we've got lots of new displays. And, of course, we're working hard on the EV market within the show and within our business units. But we're really looking to the future. You're aware we have the SEMA garage here in Diamond Bar, California, where right. we help our manufacturers develop products and take them to market. And uh, uh, we launched that program uh, uh, nearly nine years ago now. And right. we're running two shifts. We're not able to keep up with the demand. Wow. So we're building this brand new garage in Detroit that I can't wait to show you. Oh, It'll be uh, our grand opening is in uh, August, right at the same time as the Woodward Cruise. And oh, awesome. uh, it's a 45,000 square foot product development center. Woo. So we got that going on. We just bought a building in Indianapolis for our PRI, our performance racing industry right. offices, you know, a block from Indianapolis Speedway. So, All right. Um, well, uh, see, hold that grand on. opening happens to be the same week as the Indy 500. Oh, um, yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> it just so happens to be the uh, same weekend as the So now I guess I got a reason to go out there. Are right, you yeah, hold on a second. Yeah. I want to take a break. Yeah. Uh, Mike Spagnola is joining us, uh, CEO at SEMA, the Specialty Equipment Market Association trade show. We're going to talk to you guys about why the SEMA organization matters to you, the automotive enthusiast, and just the general public that loves cars. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to The Drive. Look at them yo-yos. That's the way you do it. You play the guitar on the MTV. Shopping cars online is a hassle, or is it? You probably search this site, that site, browse here, search there. Who has the time or the patience? Autotempest.com is the internet's best car shopping tool. With one easy search, see all the cars from the web's top car shopping sites all at once. Why browse some of the cars when Autotempest.com gives you everything? Autotempest.com. All the cars, one search. Well, you're listening to The Drive all across America and around the world. And thanks to all the truckers on their way to uh, Washington, D.C. to make a stand for what they believe. we got to stand up for what we believe in this world. Mike Spagnola joining us, CEO at SEMA, the Specialty Equipment Market Association trade show. And I, like I said on the way out there, Mike, what we want to do is talk to people about why does the SEMA organization matter to the general public? Because we love all these lifted trucks and lowered vehicles. and But when you do that, all of a sudden you've got now today's electronics with the you know advanced driver safety systems and this whole ADOS stuff that, you know, the acronym. And you guys are helping the aftermarket world to be able to work, I guess cohesively or in concert with all these safety systems so when you lift a truck or you lower a truck everything's still doing what it's supposed to do is that right 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 exactly so talk about how do you help i mean do you that's these places you're talking about in detroit and in indianapolis and even in diamond bar there they come in and the manufacturers get together with the aftermarket guys and they work it out is that what it is yeah, so this is going to be first of its kind. This new facility we're putting in Detroit, this 45,000-square-foot development and research center in Detroit, yeah. a big portion of it is going to be dedicated to really understanding what happens with all these advanced driver assistance systems. 
You know, so for example, you've got forward-facing cameras now, you've got self-braking, you've got lane change departure warning, right. you've got all these systems on vehicles, and, uh, and they all have to work in concert. So we're going to do both static and dynamic testing in our Detroit facility. So for example, we'll bring a new Ford F-150 in, and of course, they get lifted three inches. And what happens to all those systems? Right. Um, you know, what happens to the cameras? What happens and what's the best practices to realign and readjust everything, you know, once a vehicle's been modified? You know, what happens when you lower a vehicle? Right. You know, do the cameras, do, do all of those systems still work in concert with everything going on? So right. it, it'll be a research center. We're working with the collision industry. We're working with the OEs on it. And we're working with the entire industry to say, let's make sure we're developing best best practices you know, uh, the collision industry, even the collision industry is struggling with this because vehicles come in stock and they get in an accident and um, those systems are damaged and they have to be replaced, but then they have to be recalculated right. and recalibrated. Right. So we'll do a full recalibration center. I mean, this is a several million dollar project wow. Wow. In, our, in our Detroit facility and uh, we're going to open that in May. So that part of the new building will be open for development work we've We've just hired uh, some experts from Tier 1 suppliers to help us understand uh, what's going on. Hey, we're buying some vehicles, and then uh, we're going to be doing some testing out on tracks, too. I don't know if you've seen before where, you know, you can drive a vehicle, you know, on a test track, and then they'll put a, you know, a fake person in front of the vehicle right. and see how it stops. Yes. Um, you know, all that sort of testing is going to be done. Wow. They're very, very expensive to do, but um, yeah. we're going to understand... Um, how we can do best practices so we can help our members modify and still feel confident about what they're doing. And then I see in the California SEMA garage, you guys just started offering SEMA certification for uh, emissions to help manufacturers get products certified and sell under federally mandated regulations in 49 states, which is yep. huge, especially because California kind of, you know, they kind of set the uh, crazy standard i mean i mean i didn't mean to say that yeah two things so so we've had the emissions lab for again nearly nine years here and it runs two shifts where you can't keep up and that's to do carb certification so let's just say you're building a new air intake or a supercharger or anything that affects fuel or air off of any vehicle it has to go through carb certification to get a carb eo here in california which then satisfies the whole u.s and so we've been doing that work for quite a while. Uh, we walk our members all the way through the process from the paperwork to doing the testing and certification to submitting that paperwork to CARB to getting the EO. Well, it can be cumbersome and it can be lengthy and it can cost some money. And there are some products that CARB doesn't want to necessarily certify at this time. And right. so we've gone to the EPA and said, look, we want to run exactly the same tests. We want to run the same sort of programs but we want to certify for 49 states. Um, and so um, so we just launched that program in January, and uh, we've got people standing in line to, uh, to do that same testing and certification on lots of products. Um, for example, crate motors that don't necessarily fit into CARB's right, program. Right, right. All right, hold tight. Um, hold tight. We'll, we'll talk more on the other side about this stuff. We're talking with uh, Mike yep. Spagnola. He's the, the CEO at SEMA, the Specialty Equipment Market Association trade show. And... Uh, association that we are all a part of. We'll be right back.
Why should you trust Brembo Brakes? Because 60 years of racing, testing, braking, and bettering. Because dogs in the road, indecisive squirrels, and that kid chasing the lost ball. Because tiny humans in the back seat and blind turns in front of you. Because every car should be equipped with the same kind of performance, safety, and comfort that manufacturers and professional drivers trust every day. Visit buybrimbo.com and learn more about the most trusted brakes in braking. Welcome back to The Drive. Now, here's automotive expert, television and radio host, Alan Taylor. And our show is brought to you in part by Brembo, the choice of champions, Brembo Brakes. And you can buy them at buybrembo.com on the web. And thanks also to uh, Dodge, domestic, not domesticated. Talking to my friend Mike Spagnola, he is the president and CEO at SEMA. And uh, congratulations for passing the Small Volume Act. And for those entrepreneurs out there and manufacturers, this is a really big deal. Right, Mike? Maybe you can talk about it. It it is. It is. You know, we have a a full office in D.C., and we're constantly trying to, you know, monitor laws, pass laws, work with government to get things done. And uh, this is a program that we've been working with for a few years now. It took a long time to get this thing wound through uh, the various agencies, but happy to announce that we have this uh, the replicar rule or the small volume act. And what that means, Alan, is that now, you know, if you wanted to build a replica Cobra or any sort of replica car in the past, um, you could buy the kit from a manufacturer. So you could buy the body and the chassis and the frame and all that. They could actually sell you one assembled if you didn't want to assemble it yourself, but they couldn't put the engine in. You had to put the engine in yourself. And a lot of guys didn't want to do that. They just wanted to buy a vehicle completely done or have it done professionally. And uh, so now through the this new rule that just passed, I mean, we had to get through the uh, Air Resources Board, through the EPA, through NHTSA, through all those different programs. But now you'll be able to buy vehicles completed, ready to go with the engine in them. So, you know, it was kind of a, a dumb rule for before where, Again, a manufacturer couldn't put the engine in. He could do everything but put the engine in for you. Right. And now you'll be able to buy the vehicle done. So it's great for industry because you're going to see a lot of these small manufacturers, replica vehicles, be able to sell complete cars. That's awesome. And we're really excited about that. So great great for the car industry, great for the economy. You know, that means more engines. That means more parts. That means um, you're going to see some of these come out. I I know of some guys that are working on them now with EV conversions. Right. So... It's it's just good. No, it's awesome. It's just good. All right. Yeah. How about the RPM Act? How's things coming for that? Yep. So we're uh, we're working on that as well right now, and um, uh, we're winding our way through Congress on that. But you know, that's another one where EPA has come out and said that you can't take a street vehicle and convert it to a race car. So if you wanted to take your 2020 Mustang and decide to go drag racing with it, or if you wanted to take your F-150 and and go off roading with it and make it strictly into a race car, the EPA has said that you can't do that because the vehicle came original with its pollution control devices on it, and you're defeating those devices by taking them off and making them into a race car. So, again, this is one where we need a lot of help with it. We're asking your listeners to help write letters, to uh, call their congresspeople. We we need to get this one through. Uh, this This is a crazy ruling that 
really could affect manufacturers and you know the whole autom- the whole racing industry could be affected by this ruling if we don't get this RPM back through. All right. Well, uh, SEMA.org, you guys can find out a lot of information. S-E-M-A dot org. Mike Spagnola, President CEO. Mike, State of the Union, how was SEMA when it's all said and done from November last year? Give us a little inside information there. Yeah. So, as you know, we didn't have the SEMA show in 2020 because of COVID. We were able to come back in 2021, and we were ecstatic with uh, the results. Over 100,000 people there, certainly down from years past, but still a great show. Turned out to be the largest automotive trade show in the U.S. in all of 2021. And so we were excited about that. Largest show in Vegas, of course, but outperformed any automotive show in the U.S. in 2021. So. Now we're launching 2022. The registration is open right now. We're, we're up over last year. We're up double digits over last year. But this is the time when uh, now through, the, uh, you know, through mid-April when we're going to be um, signing manufacturers up. So we're excited about it. Lots of new opportunity. We have a new West Hall. We have more grounds to show more products. Lots of new things coming in. Well, I would love to, uh, as I always have, you know, I've been there for 25 years doing my radio show and worked with Shell for the last, I don't know, what's it been, six, seven years now with that big stage out front, which now you have that new hall over there. I don't know what's going to happen, but I can't wait to see. But no matter what it is, whether it's the uh, entrepreneur connection I have with Entrepreneur Magazine, I want to help you guys get the word out. Because to me, small business is the backbone of America. SEMA is like 99.9% small business. Um, right. You know, it's all these little tchotchkes and little things and all the, the awesomeness that will slowly but surely grow into the Edelbrocks and the Iskies and the, you know, hooker headers. And I mean, all the names of all of our past growing up and today, are, they're big companies, but they're still yeah. usually family owned for the biggest part. And uh, But it's all entrepreneurs. These messages that we're talking about right now need to get out there of how people can be involved by calling their their congressman or whatever, but at least staying in touch with SEMA.org. Very, very helpful. I'm so glad you are at the, at the helm now. I, I can't tell you. I'm just, uh, it really, it really does me good. So listen, don't hesitate to reach out to me anytime, Mike, and I will right. talk about whatever we can. Same. Let's yes. keep doing this. Yeah, for Let's sure. Keep protecting our industry. Absolutely. Protecting it so that our children and our grandchildren and beyond can enjoy this thing called the car hobby that we love so much. Mike Spagnola, thank you again. All right, brother. Good All talking right. to you. Talk to you later. All right, we'll be back in just a minute. This is The Drive. Stay with us. Now's the time to earn your bragging rights and rule the road in a powerful Dodge vehicle. With enough style, horsepower, and performance to make your muscle car dreams come true, it's no wonder J.D. Power named Dodge the number one ranked brand in initial quality and driver appeal for mass market brands. Join the brotherhood and experience the strength of Dodge muscle today. Visit Dodge.com or see your local Dodge dealer for great deals. Tied for initial quality study. For J.D. Power 2020 award information, visit JDPower.com awards.
welcome back to The Drive. Now, here's your host, Alan Taylor. Well, so we've heard from SEMA, the uh, president CEO, and now we have an entirely different trade show, believe it or not. PRI, the Performance Racing Industry Trade Show, and, and Dr. Jamie Meyer joining us, who is the president. And maybe he can give us his State of the Union for the racing industry. Yeah. How are you doing, Jamie? Yeah. <laughs> Alan, I, great to be here, and uh, thanks for inviting me. This will be fun. Ah, my pleasure, my pleasure. So, Performance Racing Industry, can you give us a little bit of... Uh, 2022 i mean you know we we're almost a world at war there's a lot of crazy things going on you had a pandemic you got you know we're finally being able to take the masks off but i mean it's a wacky crazy world yet the show must go on as they say in hollywood so maybe you can talk about um you know the performance industry and just you know uh, you got plenty of time just go for it well thank you i appreciate it and you know appreciate what you do for the whole industry, Alan. You know, oh, I'm, I'm a big fan of yours, and, and thanks again for having me on. You know, as as Mike talked about with the SEMA show, a great success there. And uh, in December, PRI, Performance Racing Industry, the largest racing trade show, delivered again, the second largest trade show really in the world in the last 18 months. Uh, we had over 50,000 attendees and really hardcore racing fanatics come out and the city of Indianapolis always does a great job to, to host those folks. And, uh, Roger Penske kicked things off at our, at our morning, uh, kickoff event. And, uh, from there it was a great show and, uh, looking forward to supporting those folks throughout a great race season. You know, I was, I was just in uh, Daytona, got to watch the start of the NASCAR season and uh, it was just a great, great race. And, uh, the energy out there is really, really high, you know, and it's it's led by this crazy big F1 brand. They did such a great job with our Netflix series, really setting the tone. And then we've got so many great grassroots organizations, you know, NHRA, another professional drag racing league that's off to a great start. We've got a lot of new teams at NHRA, new team owners this year. And uh, Circle Track, those grassroots drag racers drifting the PRI Road Tour is back. We're actually starting this weekend in Florida. We're going to be at some swamp buggy racing. <laughs> uh, so, Alan, I mean, things are super hot. The social feed at PRI is on fire. We're touching 30 million people a month now and, and growing. So the appetite for cars, the appetite for racing is really at a historic level. And, and you're right, that's you know, every time you turn the news on, it's like, what's happened next? But uh, racing and car folks really find a way to get it done. Well, here's a little information. I'm just, while you're talking, I'm looking at some stuff here from PRI. As a matter of fact, there's an estimated 195,000 dedicated race cars, dedicated race cars, 195,000 that compete at approximately 1,300 racetracks throughout the United States. That is wild, and I know that a lot of people these days, kind of the fun thing to do is to buy some of these high-end cars. Like, you know, I had a uh, Dodge Viper ACR, American Club Racer. Mm -hmm. That was kind of a, a race-it-on-the-weekend car, but you can drive it to work on Monday through Friday if you want to. There's some cars out there that, that are not dedicated. We're talking 195,000 active dedicated race cars. 
I wonder if it's got to be double that for the people that are going to all these 1,300 racetracks. It's a huge hobby. Yeah, it is. And when we last talked, uh, you'll remember we talked about the 100-year-plus history of Americans modifying and racing the automobile. It is right. very much an American pastime. We talked about 400,000-plus race cars that are active. I don't know how many are on jack stands and 40,000 race events that are scheduled this year. So it's a huge, huge economic impact. You know, we can use the PRI trade show as an example, but we, we pumped $75 million into the economy of Indianapolis over the course of three or four days while all our folks are there. So if you take that and think about a NASCAR race or an NHRA race or Geez, even some of these great big dirt track races, right, where we're we're seeing several thousand cars show up, they're big money. This is big money. It brings a, a lot of jobs into neighborhoods. And, you know, we're going to talk about the advocacy side of PRI, I'm sure, but yeah. uh, it reminds your listeners they're not alone, right? We think we're, we're crazy or our friends do, but, man, there's a lot of people that want to race cars every weekend. So if I say PRI, Performance Racing Industry, by the way, put .com behind performanceracing.com and you'll be able to find these guys. But how vast, in other words, you know, you talked about a couple, you know, stock car racing and stuff like that. But what else, what do you guys all cover with PRI? Yeah, it's interesting. The way that our community has evolved, you know, very hands-on, very grassroots. I always think of the little engine builders and and by little, you know, folks that have less than 10 employees uh, or fabrication shops. You know, somebody's got to be building these chassis and all these little parts. There's a lot of exhibitors at the PRI trade show that are still working out of their garage or a small shop on their property. And they make one or two parts, but they're critical for a sanctioning body or for a type of racing. And, you know, it really is the American story. They've built a career out of a family business. But, you know, the vastness of PRI, my gosh, Alan, you know, it's, it's every sanctioning body of racing that folks can think of. You know, when you ask me the question, what strikes me is how diverse it is, right? right. It's the typical drag racing, road racing, circle track racing, those tracks that we kind of grew up on. But, I'll tell you, I went to an event in Bowling Green, Ohio last year called Pull Town. It's the largest tractor pull event on the face of the planet. (laughs) It is held at the county fairgrounds. And over the years, this club of 200 individuals have built a stadium that holds 80,000 fans just to watch tractor pull. Think about that. You you, You know, I just got some cows. And I can you imagine, you know, like you know, here's your neighbor over there, you know, he's plowing his field and you know, maybe uh, you're like, Hey, how's it going? Oh, it's pretty good. Hey, you wanna hook our tractors up to things and pull them, see how fast we can go, who could win? I mean, I love that about this. That's what that's how crazy car guys are. I guess. By the way, I just found it. Look at this. Uh, PRI is the only organization to represent all segments of motorsports, including drifting, stock car, drag, sprint car, midget, modified formula, dirt, late model, sport, compact, karting, vintage, and more. You guys are really, truly, and, I guess, tractor pulls now. Uh, Don't go anywhere. Dr. Jamie Meyer, PRI. We're going to talk more about this. This is The Drive. Stay with us. Hey. 
Discover the all-new 2022 Subaru Forester Wilderness, the second member of the Subaru Wilderness family. Featuring 9.2 inches of ground clearance, standard symmetrical all-wheel drive, and all-terrain tires for increased off-road capability. Plus, a design that's bold and protective at the same time. The Forester Wilderness unlocks a whole new level of adventure. Discover more at Subaru.com wilderness. Well, you're listening to The Drive all across America, and uh, our show brought to you in part by Dodge, domestic, not domesticated. And most folks know that I had a, uh, well, I had a couple of most amazing, fantastic cars of my lifetime. At the same time, I had the Dodge Demon designed for drag racing, literally. And I had a Dodge uh, Viper ACR designed for road course racing, and I got to tell you, I, I was in heaven for uh, for about 18 months while I had both those cars simultaneously because there was nothing I couldn't do. Most anybody, I could not win in any kind of race I was challenged to. Dr. Jamie Meyer joining us, PRI. He's the president of Performance Racing Industry, PRI. Can we talk about government overreach? Don't get me going, but I'll let you go. You can go ahead and go. <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah, this is uh, for sure a big part of of my job, but a big part of the industry right now. And folks are still waking up to the fact that uh, we have government overreach in a lot of parts of our lives. We know that, but it's even reaching into racing now, Alan. And, uh, you know, we're watching more and more the EPA ads investigators and starts looking around and they've made the racing industry one of their targets and a lot of this you know ironically you're talking about your your farming a lot of the diesel trucks that are out there racing you know caught the eye of the epa and it was really not the sanctioned racers it was the folks that were quote-unquote rolling coal and doing videos and you look at those big black clouds and and really that's what the epa started targeting so you're seeing millions of dollars of fines and, and some of these folks are certainly breaking the law but it's spilling over into shops and you know last summer we documented a shop in colorado called pfi speed where the epa sent them a questionnaire they filled it out and then they got a fine and they were fined for selling 37 controllers they built eight second hondas by the way wow and the, the fine was for $180,000, but if they paid within 30 days, it was only 18000 but they also had to never sell those parts again. But yeah. PFI Speed went on and documented that all 37 of those controllers were sold to race vehicles that were never used on a public highway. It's evil. What so, you're talking about is pure evil. There's nothing else to call it. It's wicked. It's just... Anyway, don't get me going. Don't get me going. Why? <laughs> yeah, but I need to get you going, Alan. I need to get your listeners going. I need them to realize, wow, there's really something going on. And I learned about this as I was coming into my couple of years I spent on the SEMA board of directors. And you start seeing the documents. And, you you know, we have a, a SEMA government affairs group right. in D.C. And, and they start showing you what's really going on. And, and, Alan, you know, the stuff we love, you know, you, you talk about, 
the cars you had. The Dodge Demon's a great example. By, by the way, I just bought my first SRT product. I, I have a Jeep Trackhawk in the oh, garage, so I'm looking forward it. to modifying it. But yeah. you know, guys like you and I got to be careful now, and especially our speed shops and the manufacturers of these parts are under great scrutiny. And there's more of these manufacturers are being fined than we really know because it's mm. it's perceived as an embarrassment, right? They think they did something wrong. They really don't know what's happened, and it's going to crush our industry. Is that the guy that you introduced me to that you were just talking about at SEMA? Did he end up paying that bill, that 18? Well, that, that's Brent Liverstead from PFI Speed. You met him. I yeah. wanted you to hear the story yeah. firsthand because yeah. you need to know this is going on, Alan. I know. But uh, he did not pay that fine. Good. And the EPA has come back and asked for more information, and he has refused that because he knows what's going to happen. So we're watching that case very closely. Well, Dr. Jamie, let me just tell you right now, you have me. I'm on about 90 radio stations. we got about a quarter million listeners in any given 15-minute period. So any, I uh, would love to kind of stay in touch with what's happening with that because that is so wrong that a guy can manufacture something for the racing industry and the EPA can come in, swoop in, find him whatever he wants. Talk about overreach. It is wicked, America. Listen to what's going on. This is in the car hobby. This is happening. And there are a few of the brave souls that, that stand up against this. I'm going to call it tyranny. It's just wrong. Anyway, like I said, don't get me going. I, I get up on my bandwagon, yeah. you know. Well, we yeah, we gotta watch it, Alan. We gotta we gotta make people aware. They can go to saveourracecars.com. They can okay. learn about the RPM Act, which is this simple language that corrects the Clean Air Act, which allows for the modification of streetcars into race cars. And I Alan, I you know, we need to talk about what what I just said, right? The EPA wants to crack down on the modification of streetcars race cars alan that's the entire racing industry if that happens yeah totally okay save our racecars.com i wrote that down i will i will start doing that more often for all of us because again overreach government overreach it's wicked and that seems to be so far the theme from about I don't know, the last 15 years or so of this overreach, and it's just getting worse and worse, everybody. Don't go anywhere. Talking to Dr. Jamie Meyer, president of PRI, the performance racing industry, performanceracing.com. He's the president. We'll be right back with more. Stay tuned. There's more of The Drive with Alan Taylor. Getting a new ride is fun. Shopping online for a new car? Not so much. Stop doing the same car search over and over again on multiple sites and try Autotempest.com. See all the cars with one easy search. Our powerful search engine scours all the top car shopping sites, giving you instant results so you can easily browse all the listings with one search. Whether a dream ride, a family hauler, or a work truck, let us help you find your next ride. Autotempest.com. All the cars. One search.
back to The Drive. Now, here's automotive expert, television and radio host, Alan Taylor. And I'm talking to Dr. Jamie Myers, longtime friend of mine. He's the president of the Performance Racing Industry, PRI. It's a trade show that you can uh, go to if you're in the industry. And if you want to get in the industry and you're not part of it, uh, in this segment, we're going to talk about membership, um, the road tour, and we're going to start with brand new headquarters. Jamie, give us a little bit on your new headquarters. I, I think uh, I think Mike from SEMA was even talking about that briefly. Yeah, well, you know, Mike's uh, been a huge part of this, right? We got the Detroit garage for SEMA that's going to be opening this summer, but uh, in May, May 26th, we're going to have a grand opening of our new. PRI headquarters uh, in Indianapolis. It's actually on Main Street Speedway. Oh. So I've got Allison Transmissions on one end and then uh, oh. Indianapolis Motor Speedway on the other end of uh, nice. Main Street. Right in the middle is a PRI headquarters. I'd, lo- I'd love to have you come out to a grand opening, Alan, if you have time. You know what? Uh, let's talk then. Let's see how many heifers I've gotten that are that are carrying baby cows. And, you know, <laughs> I'm a farmer now. I'm going to go to the tractor pull. <laughs> I can't hold. I can't hold it together with lines like that. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> anyway, well, that is very cool. I know, right? Roughly where that is. I've been there enough times. That's awesome, man. Congratulations on that. All right, now, how can people besides saveourracecars.com, dot com? How can people become members and uh, give us a little bit on that? Yeah, you know, uh, when I started two years ago with PRI, you know. Of course, it was the trade show. It was a media company with a magazine. We've expanded into the the advocacy space. And PRI will be that single voice for racing industry. And the membership is what's going to drive it. So think about your favorite membership that you're a part of uh, that has a voice that moves an industry. And that's where PRI is headed. So we launched an individual membership program we also have a business membership program for folks that want to explore those types of benefits. But uh, you talked about jobs in the racing industry. Being a member of PRI is a great way to get there. We've got a job board that's available to oh. those folks on our website. Wow. But we'll have a whole host of benefits as well as the communication to keep you really locked into what's going on with racing. Oh, excellent. Give us a little bit on Road Tour. How can people uh, find you? Yeah, the road tour just kicked off, Alan, and the PRI road tour was a reaction to the 2020 trade show when we had to cancel it, just like everything else that got canceled in 2020. But we put our content creators in a van and took the show on the road. And we went to our exhibitors, we went to manufacturers of racing parts, we went to big track events, big racetracks and sanctioning bodies, and we told their story. So uh, the road tour kicks off again this this weekend in Florida. Uh, it's changed PRI, Alan. It's changed the racing industry. You can find PRI content and on all your favorite social platforms, and it's awesome. It's insight into the racing manufacturing. It's insight into your favorite racers, or you know, if you're on Instagram, it's just a fun moment of entertainment. So yeah, no, check great. it out, Alan. And, uh, you know, I'd love to have you be on one of the stops if you want to hang out, be, yeah. uh, be with some of the content creators and, uh, go to a racetrack sometime. No, uh, listen, I, uh, uh, I've gotten to the age of my life where I can kind of do what I want to do. I, I've always wanted to kind of, uh, be a rancher cause I, I just, I don't know. It's like one thing I hadn't done. I've been, I've done almost everything. But I do have still, I don't know, 10 or 15 cars 
And I'm not done in the car industry by any means, but I, I'm thinking, you know, maybe I could do a fully blown alcohol tractor. I don't know. I'm just thinking out loud there with you. <laughs> I got some friends you got to talk to. They're going to love you, pal. <laughs> I know, I know. All right, performanceracing.com is the uh, website address for PRI. And it's every, when is the date every year now? It just happened here recently. Yeah, December 8th through the 10th, that range. Oh, my gosh. Is it? What's happening, man? This it's, The time is speeding up, Jamie. Oh, my gosh. I don't even know what to think anymore. You're on too many Zoom calls. That's why. I, that's the problem. We, need, we all need to get out more. All right. Uh, any final thoughts on our racing industry before we say goodbye? I just want to remind folks, you know, it is time to get out there, right? We're, we've been locked down here for a couple of years. The people are getting back out and doing exciting things. You know, dust off that car, get it to a racetrack, or just go out to the drag strip and check it out this weekend. You'll have a great time. Uh, approximately 1,300 racetracks throughout the United States. And if you love cars, there is no excuse not to uh, go out and do it the safe way at the racetrack. Uh, Dr. Jamie Meyer, thank you, my brother. Appreciate it. Thank you. All right, that's uh, about it for this hour. In the next hour, we're going to talk to uh, the folks at uh, autotrader.com and uh, iccars.com, see what's going on over there. I'm Alan Taylor. We'll be right back. Shopping for cars online is slow. Checking all those different sites one by one, Auto Tempest doesn't like slow. That's why we sponsor NASCAR driver Chris Busher in the number 17 Ford Mustang. It's also why we created a powerful search engine that will scour all the top car shopping sites, letting you search used car listings from across the internet in one search. Why waste time searching each site separately? Use Auto Tempest instead. Find all the cars. Autotempest.com. All the cars, one search. This show is presented in part by Dodge. Domestic, not domesticated. Auto News. Exclusive interviews. Real world test drives. It's your turn to step into the driver's seat. This is The Drive. Now, here's automotive expert, television and radio host, Alan Taylor. You know, in, in hour one of our show... I think I neglected to tell everybody that I bought cows. Yes, I did. I bought a whole herd of cows. I got some acreage. I figured, what the heck? Why not? So, yeah. And then there was a baby cow born this morning. Yep, I bought cows. That means I'm a rancher now. And I've got scratches on my arms to prove it from uh, the fencing. And I got an old one-ton GMC dually truck now that I'm driving diesel. Got a gas tank in the back. I'm a rancher. Yep. Carl Brower here, who grew up in Colorado, as I remember, from iccars.com. Colorado, did you ever do any ranching, Carl? I never did any ranching. I was a city boy, even in Colorado. I was oh! in but I, I did want to make sure I told you not to have a cow, Alan. Oh, don't have a cow. Oh, my God. Well, what were the other <laughs> ones? Let alone a, a herd of cows. I really don't want you to have a herd of cows. <laughs> right. Let me tell you what you get when you get a herd of cows. 
cow crap on your shoes. Let me, and it goes in the truck. And I said to my friend that took a ride with me, I said, you know, you smell like cow crap. And he goes, no, I think it's you. And I think you actually may be right. <laughs> and he was, I had stepped in a fresh patty of pie and, uh, yes, it was all in the, uh, the grid of my shoe anyway. Okay. So this hour of the show, we're going to do all kinds of crazy studies because, Brian Moody's going to be on the bottom of the hour from autotrader.com. He's got some studies, but Carl has one that is very interesting from iccars.com. A study, an annual study that just came out for 2022. One of the biggest deal studies uh, in terms of media interest, which I think because it's pertinent to all of us, which cars, vehicles, we'll say, are is it just cars or vehicles in general, are most likely to hit 200,000 miles? It's probably just all vehicles. Am I right? It's open to all vehicles. Okay. But you look at what vehicles land in the list, and it seems to be pretty focused on a given specific type of vehicle, which, mm. and when you think about it, isn't too surprising. But yeah, anything goes, any vehicles that are hitting 200,000 plus make the list, and we're looking for ones that you know are from the same make model. So well, what models are the most likely, according to this data, okay. to 200 plus So miles? if you go on iccars.com and you search anything, they almost all seem to have 200,000 miles anymore. It's because people couldn't get cars for the last, like, year. So people are driving the living hell out of their old ones. I don't know about you, Carl, but it seems like 150,000 miles is considered low mileage anymore. What is going on? When I see low miles, I'm like, oh, let's see what's it got, 50? No, 148,000. That's not low miles. Anyway, so yeah. give, us, give us an example of this, this study. Well, and it's, it's important because you're right. Now we're all having to stay with our cars longer because we don't have the option to buy new cars because we can't build any. Right. So you, you better hope your current car lasts a while. So that's why these models are even that much more appealing, I think, in today's world. Shoot. But number one is the Toyota Land Cruiser, which I don't what? think should surprise anyone. These cars, you know, three rows, SUV, body-on-frame design, Toyota nameplate. They're just, they run forever. Lots of people in third world countries love them because they run forever without any work needed and they can drive over anything. But that's number one with 18.2%. Almost 20% of those cars have gotten to 200,000 miles, Alan. So that gives you a lot of insight. And you know, here's the funny thing somebody needs to do a study. Maybe it's got to be iccars.com. If you think of the gas mileage of the Toyota Land Cruiser, it ain't good. That means the guy could have been driving an economy car and bought himself a house with the extra money. You know what I'm saying? Golly. Well, if that's the trend, get ready, because number two is the Toyota Sequoia. So another body-on-frame, three-row, right. V8-powered Toyota. sucking uh, pig. No- yeah. Yeah, and using a lot of gas and 14.2%. And then it drops like a stone. Number three is, here we go, Chevrolet Suburban. Uh, <laughs> number three. But look at the delta on the percentage, Alan. It's 18.2 for the Land Cruiser, 14.2 Sequoia, 6.6 for the Suburban. And oh, next gosh. is the Yukon XL, which is essentially the GMC version of the Suburban at 5.2. Then the Toyota 4Runner at 4.6. Then the Ford Exposition at 4.5. Expedition, and then the Tahoe, Chevy Tahoe at 4.4, and the Tundra at 4.4. Oh, my Those are the first gosh. eight. There's, there's, uh, there's 15 of these, but almost half of the cars on this list are, not surprisingly, Toyotas, 
There's 15 of them. Yeah. Almost half are Toyotas. And most of them are SUVs because what's an SUV, it's a lot of more body on frame SUVs and SUVs are what? Super flexible. They do everything. Yeah. They tow, they take you on family vacations. All right, all right, all right. I, I get it. I get it. But they're gas hogs. That's going to change. I'll, I'll guarantee next year it's going to be a lot of economy cars on this, you know, most likely to hit 200,000 mile list. We're going to take a break. More with Carl Brower from iccars.com. Stay with us. Now's the time to earn your bragging rights and rule the road in a powerful Dodge vehicle. With enough style, horsepower, and performance to make your muscle car dreams come true, it's no wonder J.D. Power named Dodge the number one ranked brand in initial quality and driver appeal for mass market brands. Join the brotherhood and experience the strength of Dodge muscle today. Visit Dodge.com or see your local Dodge dealer for great deals. Tied for initial quality study. For J.D. Power 2020 award information, visit JDPower.com awards. Well, you're listening to The Drive All Across America. I'm Alan Taylor talking about cars, gas mileage, fuel economy, or whatever you want to call it. Uh, cars that'll go maybe, well, actually most likely to hit 200,000 miles. And we are talking with Carl Brower. Uh, this study is at iccars.com. And um, it's kind of, kind of freaks me out that they're all big gas-sucking hogs so far. Let me ask you... Uh, so far, I'm only hearing like big old SUVs, Carl. What about cars? I mean, is there any cars on this list? Cars are so 2010. Come on, nobody <laughs> buys a car. Anymore. No, truthfully, there were two what you would call you would call traditional cars on the list. And number nine, right after the Tundra, is the Toyota Avalon. It is a car. It's a big luxury car, yeah. but uh, it'll hit 200,000, almost four percent of them. And next is the Toyota Prius. Mm. Believe it or not, so wow. you get one. Gas conscious vehicle out of the top 15, number 10 is the Toyota Prius. Gosh. You know what's funny is, you know, you go to Texas and we've got affiliates in Texas. I, I was looking just for fun. I, you know, I was visiting my sister in, in Texas. I went to, um, I don't know what it was, you know, one of the magazines or something that was on the, 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 not even a magazine, like a paper thing. Well, what Auto Trader used to be, you know, like a little right. car guide thing. You know, it's, a yep. lo it's local. That's what it, what I'm trying to say. And I'm looking at, wow, 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 200, 300,000. I found a Honda Accord that had 550,000 miles. You know what I mean? Because Texas, you got to drive nine hours to go get a gallon of milk. It's, you know, yeah. well, unless you're next door to a dairy. But you know what I'm saying? It's a long way across Texas. So today in the world that we're living in, of course, even with the iccars.com, you can buy cars anywhere and you can do these searches that it's just, God, life is so much easier, but I am amazed. And we're talking about cars most likely to hit 200,000 miles. When are you guys going to do a cars most likely to hit 300,000 miles? Because it's not unusual, not unusual. Oh, sorry. I should never sing. You know that. <laughs> but 300,000 miles, not unusual to hit 200,000 miles anymore. 300,000 miles. I don't even think that's unusual anymore. I remember, it, come on, Carl, you're old enough to remember. If a car hit 100,000 miles, you trade that thing in, it's going to die. Get rid of it. No, you I, know? I remember when 100,000, you're like, ooh, boy, that car's yeah. pretty used up. Ooh, get and rid of it. Past 150, heading toward two, it's like, yeah, come on, let's retire this baby. <laughs> exactly. uh, I should tell you, 
Alan, I don't know if I've told you all this already, but my most recent addition to my fleet is a 2001 BMW 325Ci convertible. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That I literally, I literally inherited it from a really good friend of mine went to college together, and his brother, only six years older than either of us, died unexpectedly the day before Thanksgiving. Wow. And it was really a bummer. But he calls me, he's like, you know, Sammy's got a BMW 325Ci convertible. And I'm like, what year is it? And he says, 2001. And I'm like, wow, that's the E46. Those were beautiful cars. I was like, huh, how many miles are on it? 205,000. I'm like, oh, well, you know, I'll come down and help you figure out what to do with it and all. But in my head, I'm going, because I, I ain't taking that thing. I'm taking right. on a 200,000 mile BMW. <laughs> I go down there, Alan. And he's telling me, like, before I leave, he's like, you know, it's, he's like OCD, Carl. I mean, the thing's in really clean condition. I'm like, yeah, yeah, whatever. I drive down there, Alan. Oh, my gosh. It is like OCD. The thing looks almost new. I'm telling you. Exterior, interior, engine right. compartment, everything. I take it out for a drive. It runs perfectly fine. Right. He just had the tranny redone. And I said, well, what do you want to do with this thing? And my friend's like, I just want it to go away. I don't drive manual. I don't know what to do with it and all. I said, if you just want it to go away, I will take it away. But are you sure? And he said, yeah, just make it go away. So he gave it to me. Oh, my gosh. And yeah, I drove it home. It's now got 207,000 miles on it. And I just got it back from the tire store. I put an M Sport steering wheel in it, like the M3s has, a thicker <laughs> wheel with a contrasting stitching. I had a little bit of front end work done. I've had a few other little things done to it. Drives like a dream. I just had new wheels, tires, and a four-wheel alignment done. Drives like a freaking dream, <laughs> 207,000 miles on it. And it's like, oh, hey, man, I, this 200,000-mile study is more meaningful to me now than ever right, before. Right, right. You know, it's funny. I have a 97 Suburban 454 four-wheel drive three-quarter ton it's got i don't know 215 or twenty thousand miles on it now and uh damn if it doesn't just drive and run and do what it's supposed to do it's i think it's a lot of mental stuff going on when we see the the odometer you know and uh, i agree but if it's been taken care of it's a piece of machinery right. it'll just keep going hold tight we're going to come back and hear some uh fresh news because this all this old high mileage news is starting to give me a little heartburn. We'll be right back. Stay with us. It's the drive. Discover the all new 2022 Subaru Forester Wilderness, the second member of the Subaru Wilderness family, featuring 9.2 inches of ground clearance, standard symmetrical all-wheel drive and all-terrain tires for increased off-road capability. Plus, a design that's bold and protective at the same time. The Forester Wilderness unlocks a whole new level of adventure. Discover more at Subaru.com wilderness. Welcome back to The Drive. Now, here's your host, Alan Taylor. Well, you know, our show is brought to you in part by AutoHunter.com, an online auction website uh, that is owned by Barrett Jackson, and I'll be in Palm Beach, Florida for the Barrett Jackson Palm Beach. Um, Carl Brower joining us from iccars.com. Carl, I'm looking on AutoHunter right now, and I find something that's a little bit unusual. Let me just ask you about this. A uh, 2020 Aston Martin DB11 Volante with only 216 miles on it. Uh, current bid is at $76,000. But what do you think about that? It's a brand new car, basically, with, with 200 miles on it. 
It's two years old. Beautiful car. Uh, love those cars. Driven those cars. Very Aston Martin-y in that it looks beautiful and drives well and makes cool sound. Now, we were just talking about cars that last a long, long time. And yeah. now you're talking about Aston Martin. <laughs> yeah, no, well, because I know you know about them. And this car, by yeah. the way, $256,531 brand new that included more than $32,000 in options. And right now, current bid, it's it's got uh, three days. Well, now this was three days ago. Crap, I need to check. But it was only sitting at 76000 bucks. It actually goes off on, uh, looks like, Sunday so, uh, wow. I mean, this is a car worth looking at, you guys, because maybe that it could be a little too rich for everybody that's looking. And listen, auctions are awesome. I don't know about you, Carl, but I have bought a gajillion cars at auction because if nobody's paying attention, bam, I'm an owner. You know, I've seen some good deals slip by me where I was like, oh. Yeah, and that was a good price. I should that's have bought right. it for that that's money. Right. So, yeah, you know, and people think Barrett Jackson or even now bring a trailer because they're such high profile places and they think it's a great place to get big money. Well, depending on the car and the time when the auction ends and the venue, it can be. But a lot of times you go to an auction, like you may know this, you go to a Barrett Jackson auction, you don't go there Friday and Saturday night. You go there Wednesday afternoon or Thursday <laughs> morning when it just started. And I've seen, I've, I've seen Bentley Continental GTs. I remember like mid 2000s when they first came out, Bentley Continental GTs. I saw one go for like $40,000 in mint condition. It was like $180,000 car when it was I brand know. new. And well, it, looked, it looks mint. That's the thing. Like I said, if nobody's paying attention, everybody's busy right. with their lives or watching what's going on in the news today, which is, yes, I will admit, it's a little scary, but you get an opportunity to buy something that you may not ever get. By the way, uh, I have a, a Mercedes SL500 in my garage because I was standing on stage just kind of, you know, goofing around at Barrett Jackson this uh, SL500 uh, kind of a teal green with tan leather 50,000 miles it's like uh, 14 going once 14 going twice I raised my hand I bought it a little bit more just a couple hundred more than 14 I bought it raised my hand once 2003 it's an SL500 with an AMG package and it's a beautiful I know it's a beautiful car problem is you know, you got to remember, it's still a Mercedes, and I had to spend 3000 bucks putting new back shocks on it. $3,000! Anyway. Yeah, but oh. that's that's the era. The 03 and later SLs, they look the same from 03 to, like, 11. I so know. So you don't even know. You can buy an 03, and people don't know if it's an 03 or an 11. I know. Beautiful, retractable hard top. Yeah. I've been watching those cars for increasingly in the past, like, two years, thinking I'm going to snap one up. So uh, I'm telling good, you, good it was call. a beautiful machine. All right, look it. I know, before we run out of time, because Brian Moody's on the other line waiting, new Acura MDX Type S. It's just coming out of embargo. Can you give us a little fresh news on this? It's the performance version of the MDX. MDX is already the best-selling car Acura makes. It's also the best-selling three-row luxury SUV of all three-row luxury SUVs. So already a a very successful model. It's been around for 22 years. They've sold over a million of these now over that 22-year period, Alan. So this is a very successful car. But this is the first time they've added the Type S performance trim to it like they have already on their sedan and they just did the nsx that's going out of production this year so it's got more power more torque it's a one second quicker zero to 60 it's got a really cool exhaust note handles beautifully gotta love super handling all the drive back here it's got that mastered so basically all the goodies and all the good things you get in an mdx it's faster and handles better and makes cooler noises Hmm. is it hybrid or anything 
No, it isn't. You know, and it's funny because Honda and Toyota feel like they're kind of holding back a little on the pure hybrid and electric thing more than some of the others. Mm. But people think they're behind the game. Look now, you know, we got global issues going on. No palladium, no nickel, all this stuff shooting up through the price. Uh, Rivian having to try to charge more for their trucks because they they can't be profitable. Wait a minute, wait a minute. minute. Let's let's say that again. Rivian ended up having to raise the price of their vehicles and they are really catching a lot of crap from the people that wanted to buy them and that had already put down money to buy them. They had a significant yep. increase because of what he just said. It's yeah. a problem that could be really affecting the EV market, electric vehicle market. Yeah, so. we're supposed to be delivered from all our issues if we just all decide to buy an EV. Well, maybe we need to look more closely. Maybe there's still some potential issues lurking behind even the, the glorious EV that's going to save us all. Maybe we yeah. need to take a quick second look. God bless America. Well, anyway, all right. So the new Acura MDX Type S, Carl thinks it's pretty dang cool. Um, yes. Yeah. We don't know when it's coming out because of all the obvious problems. Do you have any? Everything's held up. Yeah, yeah. exactly. No, I, I think it'll be in showrooms pretty soon, you know, but everything is being restricted. This one starts at, uh, I think it's like $66,000, and you can get an, a package that adds 25 speakers. To it, along with a bunch of other cool things, oh really great audio gosh. systems. Yeah, the L's system, I'm sure, ELS. All right, Carl. Yeah. Um, thank you, sir. Uh, this study, by the way, if you're interested in the uh, most likely to hit 200,000 miles, is at iccars.com. You guys, check out ic.cars, iccars.com. It's very cool. It is, uh, it's, you know, it, listen, we've all got to be looking at these new sites. They're going to save you a lot of time and energy. Carl, thank you. Coming up next is Brian Moody. Stay with us. Shopping cars online is a hassle, or is it? You probably search this site, that site, browse here, search there. Who has the time or the patience? Autotempest.com is the Internet's best car shopping tool. With one easy search, see all the cars from the web's top car shopping sites all at once. Why browse some of the cars when Autotempest.com gives you everything? Autotempest.com. All the cars, one search. Welcome back to The Drive. Now, here's your host, Alan Taylor. Well, our show is brought to you in part by Dodge Domestic Not Domesticated coming out with some uh, interesting EVs in the near future. Joining us right now is Brian Moody. He's the executive editor for AutoTrader, autotrader.com. Brian, is buying an EV actually cheaper to own, I guess, than, you know, because of the price of gas today kind of going insane? What are your thoughts on this? Well, everyone thinks it's going to be a way that you can get away with something, right? Because so gas prices go up and then they're like, you know, oh, well, I'll just get an electric car and that will solve everything. But it turns out, so this is according to some Kelly Blue Book Cox Automotive data that we found. And if you factor in the average cost to own, so that means the total cost to own something would include things like financing, fuel, depreciation, insurance, maintenance, repairs, state and local fees, all those things, right? Like you can consider all those things over a five-year period, 
the cost to own an electric car is about $61,000. So that's a lot. Yeah. Compare that to the average cost to own a high-performance car, let's say, is $83,000 over that same period. Okay. Mm-hmm. So compared to a high-performance car, an electric car would be less expensive to own and operate over a five-year period. However, the electric car, because they're expensive, is more expensive to own over a five-year period than a compact car, a compact SUV, an entry-level luxury car, a full-size car, a full-size pickup, a minivan, a sports car, a sporty compact car, and a, a subcompact SUV or crossover. So electric cars are not cheaper to own and operate over a five-year period when compared to all other types of vehicles. It's up there around Think of it as a luxury car. If, if it's $61,000 over a five-year period for a you know five-year cost to own an electric car, and this could de- vary depending on the price of the car, right? right? Teslas are expensive, but Hyundais are less. If you look at electric cars as a segment, it's about the same as a luxury compact crossover in terms of the cost to own it over a five-year period. So you're not really going to save a ton of money by just automatically getting an electric car. Well, because you got to consider, you know, tune-up, spark plugs, upper cylinder cleaning, radiator, flush. What else? You know, uh, alternators and yeah. You got to uh, consider all of those things, <laughs> and even when considering all of those things, right? I mean, electric electric cars don't have that, obviously. <laughs> right. But here's the point, though. Like, so okay, if someone gave you for free an electric car, yes you would immediately start saving money on the cost of the gas. Right. But where do I sign up for my free electric car? That doesn't exist. Right, correct. So you have to buy it. You have to finance it. You're going to take some depreciation. You're going to have to insure it. And, you know, even electric cars have a little bit of, of maintenance, you know. There's some, not as much as a gasoline-powered car. Yeah. And there's going to be repairs, and there's going to be state and local fees and all that kind of stuff. So before you rush out and, like, trade in your Escalade to get an electric car because you want to, quote, save money, eh, maybe do the math first and see what happens. Well, I will say that I filled my um, – I have a diesel truck, and I filled it up, and it was five sixty nine a gallon. It cost $100. Mm-hmm. And seventy dollars to fill the tank from empty. That's a lot. I mean, a hundred seventy dollars, and you know, I mean, I okay, know. And by the way, that was two days ago, and I've been driving quite a bit because I I got some cows, and I'm going up and down and back and forth and around and around, and I'm already going to have to fill up again. I am almost on reserve, and I'm thinking to myself, my gosh, in one yeah. week, I'm going to spend almost four hundred bucks on fuel because I, I have a lot of driving around to do. So, yeah. but I also need a one ton dually to pull the, you know, the stock trailer around. I'm that guy right now. I need that. What, yeah. what, what am I going to do? Take my Tesla down so, and get a trailer hitch put on the roof? No. Here's a couple of numbers to just throw at you. The average increase in monthly fuel costs by vehicle segment goes like this. For a compact car, people are paying about an extra 40 bucks a month. For a full-size pickup, they're paying an average of about an extra $67 per month. That's quite a bit. For a high-end luxury car, people are paying about an extra $60 a month. But here is where the good news is. If you have a hybrid, you're paying about an extra $25 per month. 
that's the place you want to be. Yeah. If, if saving money on gas is important to you. But like you said, some people need trucks. Right. Yeah, the, I know Car and Driver did some kind of a story about cost of ownership for the big full-size trucks. And, you know, they were all pretty expensive. And I thought to myself, yeah. yes, but these are not cars that we just drive. Well, uh -huh. I say this lightly some because people some people do. do. Correct. But I would not drive this truck to back and forth to work on a daily basis with the price of fuel the way it is. But right now I am carrying like if you could see my arms are all scratched up from rolling up, you know, field fencing and putting in the back of the truck and pulling a big trailer. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, uh, we're going to be moving cows. One of the cows had a baby this morning and it's like, you know, no, we're using this truck. So it is a tool. I look at it like it's a tractor. I got to do it. But I'm one of the, you know, yeah. the few of the gajillion truck owners right now that are looking at their trucks all of a sudden and going, yay, 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 you know, 10, yeah. 12 miles. If you ago. had a, like a Tahoe, for example, with the 6.2 liter V8 and you use it to drop off two kids and then right. drive yourself to work. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. you're going to take it. You're just, you're just taking a beating for a car that, you know, yeah. if you don't use it for towing, you're probably not getting the full use out of it. Well, it's just going to cost you. And they do make those in hybrid too, don't they? Or I mean, they stop doing that or what? I'm not even sure now, as a matter of fact. Uh, you can get, what, what, what's the best high? So you can get mild hybrids, like a Ram has a mild hybrid. But it, you know, Jeep has a plug-in hybrid, but they don't, you know, the Jeep works the best because it gives you all electric driving range. But some of the other ones that are hybrid pickups, you know, it's okay, but, you know, it's you, you just got to suck it up and do what you're going to do with your truck. Right. Uh, you know, an extra $75. Here's the thing is an extra $75 a month to the person who can afford that truck. Maybe that, maybe that isn't That's, that much yeah. to them. I don't know. It's a lot to me. Well, let me tell you, my truck right now is going to cost me an extra, boy, I'm going to think 250 bucks a month right now. So that's kind of scary. Wow. And, it, and we're not done. I don't think we're done seeing the, the price of gas and diesel go up. Uh, I actually saw it for nine bucks a gallon in Los Angeles at one particular Arco station. And why is it always the Arco stations? I notice that like every time, the Arco stations. Yikes. I will take a little break. Talking to Brian Moody from Auto Trader is buying an, even, an EV even cheaper. That was even harder to say. Uh, you can find information at uh, autotrader.com about this. We'll be right back. Stay with us. Why should you trust Brembo Brakes? Because 60 years of racing, testing, braking, and bettering. Because dogs in the road, indecisive squirrels, and that kid chasing the lost ball. Because tiny humans in the back seat and blind turns in front of you. Because every car should be equipped with the same kind of performance, safety, and comfort that manufacturers and professional drivers trust every day. Visit buybrimbo.com and learn more about the most trusted brakes in braking. Well, you're listening to The Drive All Across America, and right now it is very expensive to drive. And so we're trying to figure out, you know, what's the best way to go? We just got done talking about is buying an EV cheaper. Not always, says Brian Moody, autotrader.com. 
and they did some studies on it from Kelly Blue Book, which is a sister to Auto Trader, owned by Cox Communications. Um, now the question is, uh, Brian, you've got used cars that get 40 miles per gallon at autotrader.com, a list of them. What do you have there? Yes, that's exactly right. So if you're looking, obviously buying a used car, you're going to save money because the price is going to be a little bit lower, even though prices today are kind of high, but they're still going to be less than a new car. So if you want a good used car and you have, you know, you have to drive to work every day or you have to do something, here's some a couple that get 40 miles per gallon or better, starting with the Chevrolet Volt. It's a plug-in hybrid, so it has an excellent 53 miles of electric-only range. And then when you're driving at the hybrid, it's 42 miles per gallon, so that's one to consider. Those are actually pretty decent cars, but like the other one you just mentioned, they stopped making them already. Ford C-Max is another one, kind of a family-friendly SUV-ish type of thing. Yeah. 42 miles per gallon in the city. It's a hybrid hatchback. I don't really care for those, but whatever, you know, it does you know, the job. I, I went and test drove uh, one one time, and it was very roomy inside and everything. But you know what? Yeah. I, I had the same feeling. I was like, all right, yeah, it kind of does everything it just pretty didn't good. Do anything for me. Exactly. There was something missing in it. I don't know what it was. Well, I would rather get. So here's another car that's like that's better than 42 miles per gallon. A 2018 to 2020 Honda Accord Hybrid. That's going to get 47 miles per gallon both city and highway. That's pretty high MPG, and I like driving the car. Like it's if you had a Honda Accord Hybrid, I think it's good looking. It's spacious inside. There's nice materials. I think you'd be it's a car that you could be proud to own. Yeah, I think hybrids are totally the way to go. My daughter has a. Uh, it is, yeah. Pacifica Hybrid Pinnacle, which is uh-huh. really, I mean, inside this minivan is like a Bentley. The seats are really nice, leather, just beautiful. Outside the car, eh, it's a minivan. What are you going to do? But it's amazing because the first 40 miles is on electric, and then the engine starts yeah. up. And she can do almost all her business and her work, and she's got two kids, with that electric. And she comes to my house, they plug into my house. They yeah. steal my damn electricity. <laughs> well, you know, awesome. it's pennies. Anyway. What are dads for? <laughs> exactly. What else you got there? So luxury cars, you don't have to not get a luxury car if you want something that gets 40 MPG or better. The 2019 to 2020 Lexus UX 250H, that's a hybrid, gets 42 miles per gallon combined. That's a small luxury crossover SUV. And also the 2017 to 2020 Lincoln MKZ Hybrid, that gets a fuel economy rating of 41 MPG combined. It's smooth, it's quiet, it's powerful. Wow. It's a good car. Yeah. It's a nice luxury car. So if you want a luxury car but still want to get better than 40 miles per gallon, those are two to consider. Yeah. But most of them are not, you know, are not luxury cars. The Prius also is amazing. You know, the Prius is now up to 58 miles per gallon city Gosh. and 56 MPG on the highway, and the Hyundai Ioniq, not the electric Hyundai Ioniq 5. This is just the 2017-2019 Hyundai Ioniq hybrid hatchback, 59 miles per gallon highway, 58 miles per gallon MPG combined. That's spectacular. Yeah, that's, that's the way it should be. I get that. That makes perfect sense to me. See, 
especially in today's and this is, gas mileage prices or gas prices. This is exactly why we can't take anything. Like when we hear all these gloom and doom predictions of the future, right? Oh, we're going to run out of gas by 2020. Uh, oopsie, that's already passed. Right. Um, oh, the world's going to be terrible. The people making those predictions 5, 10, 20, 30, 40 years ago could never have predicted that a car as inexpensive as the Hyundai Ioniq would be getting 60 miles per gallon or that you could buy a new Nissan Altima, not a hybrid, just, an, just a normal family sedan that would get you know, nearly 40 miles per gallon on the highway. Those things could not have been predicted. So if you want a car that gets great gas mileage and you're okay having a sedan, Get one of these. You know, you mentioned a Toyota Prius also. And I used to be, I'm not going to say this in a nice way, but I used to hate these cars. I just, I, I hated uh-huh. everything about them. And it could have been because of the the Hollywood, you know, folks that were trying to, you know, say I'm better than you because I drive a Prius way back, way back in the right. day. And, but you got to hand it to Toyota because they have really done a good job with hybrid cars uh-huh. and Prius has been around sure for, you know, 20 some odd. What's it been? I, you know, it was the late eighties when they came out and, uh, they, gosh, they're just good cars and they last like crazy. So hats off to Toyota for that. All right. Uh, is this, uh, yeah. used that get 40 miles per gallon at uh, autotrader.com? A list people can find. Yes, somewhere sir. Okay. This is up right now on auto trader. All right. Excellent. All right. Well, so when we come back, we're going to talk about, Best-selling vehicles in 2021. What was it? Does it even matter because of the crazy world? <laughs> it literally has. Honestly, it's like we have to pivot right now. Because I know. Two, three months ago, gas was you know kind of a little bit affordable, and today it's like, yikes. So yeah, but anyway, whatever was the best-selling in 2021, we're going to find out about. Uh, Autotrader.com. Brian Moody, executive editor, is going to tell us all about it. Stay with us. Because, boy, you got to watch every day right now. We'll be right back. Now's the time to earn your bragging rights and rule the road in a powerful Dodge vehicle. With enough style, horsepower, and performance to make your muscle car dreams come true, it's no wonder J.D. Power named Dodge the number one ranked brand in initial quality and driver appeal for mass market brands. Join the brotherhood and experience the strength of Dodge muscle today. Visit Dodge.com or see your local Dodge dealer for great deals. Tied for initial quality study. For J.D. Power 2020 award information, visit JDPower.com awards. This is The Drive with Alan Taylor. And our show is brought to you in part by Subaru. Love. It's what makes Subaru, Subaru. Thanks to Subaru for sponsoring the show. Uh, Brian Moody is joining us, executive editor at autotrader.com. Now we're going to find out, as we're already in March here, my goodness, more the year's going by fast, Brian. Uh, What are the best-selling cars from 2021? What are they? I'll start with number 10, which is the Honda Civic. Honda Civic is a great car. Oh. That's They sold uh, about 263,000 of those. So uh, number nine, Toyota Highlander. Oh. And number eight, Jeep Grand Cherokee. Number seven, Nissan Rogue. Number six, Toyota Camry. Number five, Honda CRV. And there is a hybrid version of this Honda CRV. Oh. A Honda CRV, they sold 361,000 of those. 
Wow. In 2021. I mean, can you believe that? The RAV, now, this, this used to be, remember, this used to be Camry and Accord numbers. Number four is the Toyota RAV4. They sold more than 400,000 of those in 2021. Wow. I mean, that's impressive. But what's even more impressive is when you get into the top three. Number three, Chevy Silverado. 519,000 of those they sold. Wow. Half a million Silverados. Okay. And same with the almost 600,000 Rams, Ram pickups. That's number two. And then, of course, number one is the Ford F-Series. Oh. Now, F-Series means they include F-150, 250, 350. I think that's you know not quite an apples-to-apples apples comparison, but whatever. In 2021, Ford sold 726,000 F-Series pickups. So even though gas prices are up, people, I mean, those are huge numbers. It's, everyone's not going to run away from those trucks. People are still going to be buying them. Uh, just maybe in slightly lower numbers. Well, the interesting thing here is the RAV4 is a small SUV crossover vehicle outsold the mm-hmm. Camry, which was the meat and potatoes yes. for years. The CRV yeah. outsold the Civic CRV from Honda. Yep. So the That's Honda exactly and Toyota right. both, their little SUVs outsold their little cars, and little cars are. So kind here's of going a good away. comparison. Yeah. Honda is number 16 on the list out of 20. Honda sold 202, roughly 200,000 Honda Accords, right? Yeah. And that's in 2021. They sold 361,000 CRVs. So pretty soon we're getting to the point where CRVs are going to double the Accord sales. That's, I mean, who would have thought? But that just goes to show what people want. They want small SUVs, and that's what they're buying. I'm kind of blown away. I actually saw a brand new Honda Accord on the way here. Uh, when I say brand new, it could have been a 2021 because it was pretty and shiny and it had a, a new uh, license yeah. plate, paper plate on it thing. So it's probably a 2022. Wow, have they done a beautiful job of the restyling of it? And the same with the Camry. Yeah. Beautiful yeah. cars. They used to be yeah, ugly. Yeah, they're good looking you know? cars. <laughs> That's mean, isn't it? They used to be ugly. Civic, also <laughs> a very good car. But I'm kind of blown away here that the top selling vehicles for 2021 was. GM Silverado, Ram, you know, which is what Dodge Ram, I guess, just Ram and F Series. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. But I have a feeling. I don't know. What do you think about this? That 2021, of course, you know, we had the um, the whole pandemic thing hit us in 2020, and everybody just kind of went into shock, like what? And then in 2021, I think people were starting to go, you know, what the hell with this stupid thing? I got to go back to work, and and they they felt yeah. like you know what? And and I had a year where I you know, maybe got some of that stimulus money or whatever, I'm going to buy me a new truck, you know? And I, 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 because you can't buy them right now. There's no trucks to be had. I mean, if you can go out down to the dealer and find new trucks, amazing. Our Ford dealer, our GM dealer, these guys don't have them. And if they do, it's onesie twosie, you know? I know. Yeah. I know. I think at some point, younger buyers are going to get to the point where they can afford something, and they're not going to want SUVs. They might still want trucks because trucks are just useful, but I don't think they're going to want SUVs, and I think they're going to gravitate back toward sedans because, you know, kids always tend to buy whatever their parents didn't have. So when you're a kid in the 2000s and your parents were driving SUVs, you're not going to want that. You might want, you might think sedans are cool all of a sudden. Imagine like an Audi A4 or a Honda Accord or a TRD Toyota Avalon. I mean, that could be cool to them because it's something different than what their parents had when they were little. Now, here's another thing I just noticed about your list of top 10 best selling in 2021. Not a single German car maker on there. Yikes. Let's see. How far down do you have to go to get? I don't see a lot of, you're right. Wow. 
And then all those beautiful yeah, you're right. Porsches. A lot of, they're all Japanese all, yeah. and American. It's yeah. basically the top 20. Wow. Um, there's some also uh, Kia, uh, Hyundai, yeah, that yeah. kind of thing. Sure. Yeah. Tesla is on there. The number Tesla Model Y is number 17. They sold 178,000 of those small Good SUVs of Tesla Model Y. Uh, this list, by the way, is at autotrader.com. Brian Moody is the executive yes, editor. Thank you very much, sir. Here comes the sun, by the way. Um, spring is coming. Brian, thank you. Thank you. Check out autotrader.com for all this stuff. I'm Alan Taylor. Here comes the sun, so I'm going out and playing. See you later. See you next week. Discover the all-new 2022 Subaru Forester Wilderness the second member of the Subaru Wilderness family. Featuring 9.2 inches of ground clearance, standard symmetrical all-wheel drive, and all-terrain tires for increased off-road capability. Plus, a design that's bold and protective at the same time. The Forester Wilderness unlocks a whole new level of adventure. Discover more at Subaru.com wilderness.